0: Hello, everyone. We have Jen Hepton on the episode today. I'm so excited, you guys. She has a story of her own, which we're going to start with, but she's also a life and loss coach specializing in living life after pregnancy loss. So she is going to be a very special episode. I'm so excited to hear a little bit more about her journey and also what she does as a coach. So, Jen, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story.
1: Uh, thank you. I am beyond. Honored to be part of your community and to be on your podcast and sharing um, my story because I know sharing our stories are so incredibly healing for ourselves, but also for other people. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Um, okay, story. <laughs> Where to start? Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to start kind of in the beginning and give kind of like a background. So um, I met my husband in my 30s. I met him when I was 31 and then we got married when I was 32 and we looked at each other and we're like, we don't really know each other. Like, ah, uh, let's try to like figure this out. We love each other. We know we want this, but let's just try to figure this out before we bring a baby in. Right. <laughs> and then you, and then you fast forward to like you're 35 and all of a sudden everyone's like, so when are you going to have a baby? Are you going to have a baby? Are you have, thinking of having children? Do you have children? How many children do you have? And you're like, oh my God, I better start thinking about this family. And so of course we start trying. And trying and trying and trying. Two years go by and we're like, hmm, I don't think this is normal. Of course, no one talks about, you know. And and, see, and, and as you're trying, people around you are just getting pregnant. Like I used to be a school yeah. teacher. And so my friends would be like, okay, well, school gets out in June. So I want the baby to be born in July. Like all these like planning stuff. So I was like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to do the same thing. So I'm like just planning as they're planning because they're getting pregnant. They're getting pregnant. I should be getting pregnant too, right? Um, it didn't happen. And so we were living in the UK at this time because my husband's British, and our lives were a little bit crazy. If anybody lived in London, they would totally get it. It's just like a rat race there. And I'm originally from Vancouver, Canada. So we thought, let's move back to Vancouver, chill out. So much slower, a slower pace. <laughs> <laughs> a lot healthier. And then we got pregnant naturally with twins. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. We did the whole, you know, detox, change your shampoo, you know, the whole thing. Um, But sadly, um, eight weeks into the pregnancy, I started to bleed. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. So we went to get an ultrasound and they found that I had a subclonic hemorrhage. And so from week eight to week 22, it was a very clinical pregnancy, high risk clinical pregnancy where I saw. I had an ultrasound basically every week during that pregnancy. Um, I disassociated myself from the pregnancy. My husband and I were like, oh my gosh, this this is not going to happen. What are we going to do? But of course you still hold on to hope, right? You still hold on to the fact that maybe this this might work out. And saw a lot of specialists, saw a lot of medical professionals, doctors. Like I said, very clinical. I didn't tap into my emotions. I didn't tap into any of the grief process that happens. And then uh, week 22, after seeing three different specialists, they basically said, you've got twin-to-twin transfusion, your membrane has burst, you're um, leaking amniotic aminot- fluid, um, your life is in danger, this is not a, a viable pregnancy. And I know some of, uh, I know your listeners will totally probably have heard that, those two words, you know, or three, not viable pregnancy. And so we had to make the heartbreaking decision to just keep going with the pregnancy and just seeing what happens or to terminate and we were advised to terminate the pregnancy. And I, to be honest, there's just like no words to describe that feeling. I think yeah. what I did was I was just in pure shock because this, is, this was terminating for medical reasons. This is, wasn't like, an abortion and yeah. everyone has their own journey and their own choices, but we really wanted to keep these babies um, and start our family. So that process itself was just, I mean, I don't, it, it was so hard because I mean, the one thing that really, as I'm sharing the story, the one thing that comes to me is like going into the doctor's office and everyone else is there for an abortion and you're there. And I'm 22 weeks pregnant, right? And there's just a lot of different people there, different reasons, um, no judgment, but I'm sitting here really wanting this pregnancy and just kind of being treated as a number. There Wasn't any really kind of emotional connection to anything. It was just kind of very much a procedure that we were going to do. You know, they, they, you have to stop the heartbeats, you have to go in for your operation and then you get sent home and that's it. And so that's basically what happened. And so, um, and I apologize if this is (laughs) triggering anybody, but I think sharing this part of the story is important because if anyone else has gone through this, I want them to know that they're not alone. Um, When we had to terminate, they had to stop the heartbeats and I had to carry the twins for three days before I went in for an operation. Those three days, I just like I literally don't even remember breathing. It was like the hardest one of well, at that time, the hardest thing that I went through. And um, we went through the operation, and I was like, okay, interesting. Life goes on, everyone goes on with life. And at that time, because that pregnancy was so medical, I didn't actually share the news with a lot of people that I was pregnant. Um, You know, you wait your 12 weeks and then you share the news. Mm. Well, I waited the 12, the 16, the 18, the 20 (laughs) weeks and didn't share the news. So then I actually had to tell people that. And at that time, I had a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. At that time, I just said I had a miscarriage. A lot of my friends and family thought I had a miscarriage Um, because that's all I could deal with. That's all my brain could deal and my heart could deal with is like, oh, I lost our babies. Um, From that D and C or D me, I developed a blood clot. And so it went straight to very much my health, um, saving my life, medical blood thinners. And so therefore I was able to concentrate on my health rather than the loss of our babies. So I didn't even really grieve properly for those two beautiful little beings. And then the, doctors, so then the doctors were like, okay, so you're good. So it's been three months. Why don't you try having a baby again? And I was like, "Goody! yay, I'm
0: going to try having a baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, oh, my God, when I think about it now, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but you do what you do, right? You're like so yeah. obsessed. And the human spirit just wants to keep going and surviving, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So I was like,
1: yeah, I'm going to get pregnant. Nick, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's get pregnant. And so you name it, we did it. Temperature, and you know, checking your mucus, yeah. um, peeing on ovulation sticks. <laughs> I mean, God, you so name fun, it. We, right? Oh my God, right? <laughs> and then like calling your husband, going, "Okay, you got to come home today." Like <laughs> just all this stuff, right? And you're like, "It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, right? It's gotta happen." Um, and then so within losing our twins and being pregnant with our daughter loe, um, I had went had gone through about four or five pregnancy uh, miscarriages. So being pregnant and miscarrying. And the doctors were like, oh, you know, it's early on, it's a chemical pregnancy. And I'm like, okay, can you tell me why this is going on? Oh, it's unexplained infertility. And I'm like, <laughs> If someone says unexplained infertility to me one more time, (laughs) right?
0: Oh, my God. It's the worst. It's like, I don't even know how to explain it. Right? It's like, okay, so chemical pregnancy, unexplained infertility, no answers at all with either of those terms. No, no,
1: no. Right? And you're just like, okay, thanks. (laughs) What am I supposed to do with that information? Yeah. So at that point, we're like, okay, Jen, this is just ridiculous. So we went to see a fertility specialist um, in Vancouver. We did, you know, the IUIs, IVF, nothing took. Um, and then we had moved back to London UK, for my husband's work. We saw a private clinic there for IVF. And the f- interesting, that I don't, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but every time we were trying to go towards an IVF cycle, Either I had, I got pregnant and then miscarried, or I had a cyst and couldn't do the drugs, couldn't do the medication. So it was just a really kind of like a huge test. And there was moments where I'd be like, okay, like, is this the universe telling me I'm not supposed to be a mom? Or like, why is this all happening? Like, I'm trying to think positive. I'm eating a lot of Brussels sprouts. Um, like I don't understand what's going on. I'm like meditating. I'm like acupuncture. Oh my God. The Chinese herbs I used to drink. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it all. I'm reading the books. I'm doing it. Why is
0: this not happening?
1: Anyway, as, so I started talking about my story at that, that point and I started sharing it with my family and then it starts coming out that oh yeah no your grandmother uh lost twins oh yeah your aunt had a stillbirth oh yeah this aunt had a hard time getting pregnant oh yeah your second cousin um tried IVF and it didn't work and I was like oh my god (laughs) this is what I mean like sharing stories is really important so yeah it'll be important because if I knew that I wouldn't have spent a lot like that that was about six years into Exactly. Oh my gosh.
0: -hmm.
1: I know. I didn't hear,
0: I didn't hear about anybody having a miscarriage until I opened up about it. And then I found out people that I knew, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you, you just, there are people out there. You just need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally, totally. And a lot of people
1: hold that keeping it quiet for 12 weeks because you just never know, really close to the heart. And I get it. It's a personal choice. But when I was pregnant with – when I was pregnant after losing our twins, I definitely shared it. I'm like, oh, we're pregnant. Oh, no, we lost the baby. You know, yeah. Because I, I myself felt like I needed that community. I needed that support just in case I did miscarry or just to be able to share and leave people know – Oh, Jen, like, if, you know, like this stuff happens. So I chose to share it. And, um, and again, it's a personal choice, but I really, I, because I've done both not sharing and sharing for me personally, sharing was just very empowering for me because I was like, there was one pregnancy I, I, I was pregnant for um, 10 weeks. And so I shared about nine weeks. Six weeks or whenever we whenever we found out with a few friends and my mom and everything and um and they're like oh I'm surprised you're sharing I'm like why are you sharing something could happen and I was like because I need you guys like I need people to know that I want to celebrate yeah. these moments now I don't want to mm-hmm. keep them secret
0: and, if, and it, if something were to happen why wouldn't you know what I mean I feel like that's oh what makes God, it totally. such a lonely experience. <gasps>
1: Oh is it like oh totally.
0: hush hush tell 12 weeks because what if something happens well that's why we feel so damn alone <laughs> exactly
1: like that's where the stigma
0: that's where yes. the stigma
1: and the shame comes from it's like why are you telling people i'm like why not like this yeah. is my choice right as it's your choice right yeah totally oh my god you just totally nailed it <laughs> oh yeah exactly so um so okay so um further along in the journey we um moved to the States, uh, because of my husband's work and we, uh, moved to Seattle, Washington, where we're currently now. And we, and I was still in the frame of mind. I was like, I'm going to get pregnant. And I had put everything on hold, right? Like people were going on ski trips. People were like like going on vacations, starting new jobs. I was like, no, no, see, I'm going to get pregnant. And so the one thing I tell my clients and my community and people that I, that I talk to around this is don't put your life on hold. You can still live your life and do things and still try to get pregnant or still think about trying to get pregnant or, or you can still agree. Like d- your life is so precious and it's so short.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Live it as much as you can do the thing. It's okay. Like it's really okay. Um, so we moved to Seattle, Washington. We went to see a really great fertility clinic. The best I have seen so many friggin' doctors. This doctor was so good. The best bedside manner. And basically heard me, listened to my story and sat me down and was like, okay, Jen, you have been through a lot. We've got three choices here. One, you can continue trying to have sex the old-fashioned when you get pregnant and see what happens there. <laughs> and I was forty. I was 44 at that point. And then, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people in my family were like, Jen, I think you need to stop during your 40s. And I was like, no, no, I'm not stopping. And then, um, so he um, he basically said, or you can do IVF, but with these uh, records and these um these tests that you've done doesn't show that it's going to work as well right so you've got this percentage i think he said like i've got 3% to get pre- 3% chance of getting pregnant if we did ivf or we can do an egg donor a fresh cycle egg donor and um, and then you've got an 88% chance of getting pregnant having a successful pregnancy basically taking home a live baby is basically what he said to me. And I was like, Oh my God, how does that feel? Um, (laughs) and (laughs) And then I were like, well, gee, let's not think about this too much. Obviously we want the 80 something percent. Right. So we decided to go through egg donor. So we went, we found this lovely 19 year old nice and young, totally looks like my younger sister. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. This is going to work. This is going to work. She goes through the IVF cycle and there's no eggs. There's no eggs. And I was like, is this actually happening? Like, I feel sorry for her because now she knows IVF doesn't work in the future or whatever. And she might have some fertility issues, but dude, like she has no eggs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, where does this leave us? (laughs) Like like, what else? What else? (laughs) And the
1: clinic, bless them. It's so interesting the conversation and the vocabulary used around fertility in women. But um, he he was so sweet. He's like Jen, I am so sorry. Like this literally has never happened in the twenty five years that we've been opened. And I said to him, I'm like, I I thank you for feeling sympathy, but I don't need to know that this is the first time this happened. (laughs) The sentence he could totally leave out. (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just want you to know, like, I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's, you know. And then, so they gave us seven, seven eggs for free because they felt so bad. And then we got, I know. And then we got pregnant with Louie, so we had one. So we fertilized. We had one embryo that was healthy. We did the pre-genetic testing and everything. At this point, we're just like, we've got to make sure this egg is 100%. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> This embryo is 100%. So we did the pre-genetic testing. And then we did the um Im- the implantation and everything. And I was pregnant. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. So this is going to be our rainbow baby. We we're just like so ec- ecstatic. But anyone that's listening that knows pregnancy after loss is so friggin complex. So many different emotions. It's overwhelming. Not a lot of people talk about it. So again, there's that sense of loneliness. There's a lot of resources now, which I'm really happy that are out there. There's a lot of like Instagram and social sites and online sites that you can look, but you have to do your diligence and look and find them, you know, you're not mm-hmm. going to get them. You're not going to get them. I didn't get them from them, my doctors. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't acknowledge the whole, this is your rainbow baby. This is maybe you might need to see a therapist because you're pregnant after laws. Like there was nothing for me. My, and I know everyone's oh. journey is different. Um, so there's a lot of resources now, which is great. But at the time I was like, oh my God, these, the anxiety. Oh my gosh. It's going to the so bathroom.
0: Rough. Yeah.
1: <gasps> Oh my God, no one understood. I was like, I got to go to the toilet. They're like, okay. I'm like, no, you don't understand. No. I got to go to the toilet. I don't like going to the toilet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. And then, any, so, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm actually right. My second ebook is Pregnancy After Miscarriage. I'm in the midst of writing it. I'm actually having mm. a really, really, really hard time writing it because you're right. It's so complex. Mm, there are so, much. so many emotions that I talk about how <laughs> I wiped as if I was. Digging for gold, like trying to like look for a dot of blood, like yeah. it's just ridiculous.
1: It's it. I'm so glad that you brought that up. It's and it happens, right? Like, it, and you get triggered because your body remembers or right? your body uh-huh. goes off to the trauma. Your body remembers, and so it's 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 trying to save you from the pain, and so it's it's fear and anxiety. Oh, it's just yeah, just wiping your bum, like just wiping yourself. Just like <laughs> how is this causing you such panic attacks? Well, <laughs> it it does, right? It makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, oh my god, okay, and so I'm, I'm a yoga teacher as well. So I went to a yoga class, and I wasn't doing a lot of poses because I was like. You, you know, I'm eight big, eight weeks pregnant. I don't want to be doing anything that's gonna, you know. You should have seen me legs up the air every night. I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want this baby falling out.
0: Yeah, you're <laughs> like, like, you like gravity.
1: It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like your mind goes to places. I tell you. Um, and then so I did this yoga pose, and I felt myself bleeding, and I was like, oh crap left the yoga studio went straight to fertility clinic and they're like yeah you're bleeding you've got a subchronic hemorrhage which is normal for IVF um situations plus you're on blood thinners because of your blood clot I was like okay so what do we do anyways they gave me a whole protocol and eventually the subchronic hemorrhage went away but again on top of everything we've got that and so I was bleeding so I would go to the bathroom and it would bleed And I was like oh, oh my god. god there's my yeah. little friend you know I would just oh, tough yeah it was tough it was really really tough and again nobody understands you're there mm-hmm. alone no one's like I just wish I had a friend who was, who had gone I don't I don't want people to go through it exactly honestly, but yep. just I just I, I would have loved to have a therapist a coach a support community a book to go to at that point so I didn't feel so alone I mm-hmm. did journal you know writing for me was very therapeutic yoga was therapeutic meditation therapeutic um, so we so I was I was at a, a high-risk pregnancy because of my age IVF subchronic hemorrhage at 39 weeks and five days I started to feel pain at five o'clock in the morning and I was like oh my gosh I'm a labor went downstairs was in the bathtub talking to my birth doula and I'm like I don't know if I should take my blood thinners now or just go to the hospital. She's like, Jen, go to the hospital. Worst case scenario, they send you home. Went to the hospital. And any of your listeners have experienced a stillbirth, this is going to be really, really close to your heart or anyone that's experienced miscarriage Pregnancy loss, I should say. shouldn't I say stillbirth. I guess I said stillbirth because you go into this room and you're pregnant. You've got your bag. You've got your car seat. You've got everything ready to take mm-hmm. the baby home. And you go into this room and there's a monitor. And we went to the University of Washington Hospital. The nurse went to check, do an ultrasound. Then she grabbed another nurse. And then she grabbed a doctor. And that doctor grabbed a doctor. So by the fourth person, I was in hysterics. I was like, what is going on? Why does it take four people to tell me what's going on? They basically said, just there, Jen, is where you should see Loewy's heart. It's not there. Your daughter's dead.
0: Oh, I was gosh.
1: like, holy frig. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went, uh, I went into straight warrior mode. You know, as women, we just go into this like survival warrior mode. I was like, okay, 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 give me painkillers. Let's get this done because I knew I had to give birth to her. So they wheeled me into the room. My husband had passed out at this time. At this point, he was in complete shock. Wheeled me into a room. We went in there about nine thirty. I gave birth to her, and she was pronounced dead at four sixteen. My birth dealer was there. I had no friends or family there because my family's in Vancouver. The nurses and the doctor was absolutely amazing. They were, and then we had a. social worker come in. I mean, the, the, the help at that university made the difference when we terminated our twins and got no support to when we had Chloe, we had so much support and the support that you have and how you grieve after the loss makes a world of difference. Oh my gosh. It's just so it's just, it's completely different. Um, how people treat you, how you ask for help, how you self advocate for yourself, how you create rituals, how you grieve um, is really, really important after loss, regardless of when the loss is. Um, So we spent three days at the hospital with her grieving, holding her and grieving. And then finally they had to take her away. Um, And so we left the hospital without a baby. And then the first four or five months after losing her was, I mean, I wasn't coherent. Um, zombie time didn't make sense. People didn't make sense. Life didn't make sense. I remember getting yelled at the hospital and cars were on the road. People were driving. I said, no, wait, you should be. Hello, everybody. Hi, I just lost my baby. my baby. My baby's dead. Like, world, stop. Can you just stop? Like, I felt like. I wasn't part of the world anymore. It was just honestly my my mind and my body was just like um, keeping me safe. And so when you experience grief, you your your basically your conscious ability shuts down and your primal brain starts to work in overdrive because it basically says to you, you need to sleep, you need to go need to go to the bathroom, you need to eat and so all your primary primary <laughs> primitive skills just come to the forefront you can't hold conversations you have lack of memory um, your body aches um, there's so many things that happen when you go through a loss and when you're grieving that not a lot of people are aware of and they think they're going crazy or um, they just assume this is part of the hormones right because after that you're still your body still Thinking there's a baby, but there's not a baby, and you're still going through all the physical pains. And so, there's a lot going on. Um, And so, I always advise someone to see a grief therapist, grief coach. The ideal situation is to see a grief therapist and have a coach working with you side by side because the grief therapist will help you with talk therapy, or the grief coach will talk about, or I talk about. Grief and how to prepare for grief and how to navigate grief in a healthy, mindful way. But we also try to co create a life in this loss that is um, for you, not for your neighbor or for your sister, but is crafted for you. Mm-hmm. And grief showed up for me in anger. I was so angry. I was angry at everybody. I was angry everyone. I just didn't want to be around anyone. Like, please don't tell me you're pregnant. Like, no, I'm not going to your baby shower. Like there was just a lot going on. Um, and so we, um, after the four or five months, when I started to see the light again, things started to, life started to kind of make a little bit more sense. And when I say more sense, I don't mean the same sense as it was before, because when you go go through loss, your spirit and your heart is broken into like a million pieces and it's really up to you what pieces you want to pick up. We decided to do surrogacy. I knew that I wasn't going to get pregnant again. Um I didn't want to put my body through that or my 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 brain or my mind or anything. <laughs> I was like I'm not gonna do that. I don't want to go to the bathroom and look at the toilet
0: ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh-
1: Or Yeah, you know. And so um, we, luckily enough, we had sold the house we had bought because we were pregnant. We had to move out of the house. And the money that we had from that house, um, we put towards a surrogate. And so we interviewed a few surrogates and we found this beautiful, beautiful angel. And she was our surrogate, our tummy mummy for our rainbow baby, who we have now, Milo. Yes. He's four and a half months. He's beautiful. I know that his sister has picked him out for us. She's with him all the time. I can feel her spirit. Um, And so we went through the surrogacy journey and that in itself was very interesting. So even though I wasn't pregnant after loss and she was pregnant, it was still the same complexities, the same emotions.
0: It was the same fear like, and anxiety.
1: Totally. Oh, right. I was like, I'm gonna text you every day. Is that okay? She's like, totally. I'm like,
0: can you send me pictures every week? Like <laughs> I was like, send me <laughs> pictures you of it? your toilet paper, please. Like do you go <laughs> yeah. to the bathroom? I need to examine it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, no joke. I'm like, is he moving?
0: Can you hear? It? Can you feel him? Like, literally, <laughs> like, because
1: I still had the same triggers, right? And some days I would be like, thank God I myself is not pregnant because I'm not reminded 24 seven, but you still have the same anxieties. Right. And it's so interesting how your brain works. Cause you're like, Oh, people do get pregnant. Oh, people do have babies. Like, like this actually does happen. <laughs> it's yeah, so, so weird how you're like, um, and your brain puts you in survivor mode. So, um, so we, we went through a surrogacy. Um, she it was in Boise, Idaho. So we'd go down for ultrasounds. And um, it was a beautiful experience. We went to the delivery room with her. I actually had to leave because it re-triggered me. So I found out after losing Loie that from our twins and all the miscarriages and obviously Loie, I had suffered and I am suffering from PTSD. And I was like, I didn't know that until I s- went to a psychotherapist and she said Jen you have PTSD. I'm like, "Oh, is that why I get angry so quickly? Oh, is that why I'm on the on the floor crying every night?" Oh, <laughs> you know, like as women, we just we we kind of get on with things, but I think sometimes we just need to pause and slow down and and really connect with our intuition and I think sometimes we we'll lose it intuitive nature when we're trying to survive or when trying life gets so busy. So I reconnected with my intuition and realized I was suffering from PTSD and really did the work and did a lot of work. And I'm in such a better place. I know how my grief shows up. I understand my emotions. I understand my coping skills. I understand my narratives. Like when your life is in chaos, when you lost a pregnancy because you're not only losing this baby but you're losing the memories that you were going to have with this beautiful baby your subconscious it just gets completely screwed and so it's an opportunity and i hate that word opportunity but you know what i mean it's it's like okay well these coping strategies are kind of crappy right now. They served me for the first four months. Like I ate ice cream every day and I was like, okay, I just needed to survive. But now I I would like to like start exercising and start moving. And so you start to become more aware of who you are as a person. And I think that's why I always say just slow down a little bit, pause, you know, grieve, 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 grieve. Um, So yeah, going back to the surrogacy journey, beautiful journey, but in itself, had a lot of emotions and complexities, and it still does. We still try to navigate that whole that whole relationship. And it's a beautiful relationship. She's very much part of Milo's life and our life. And we hope to continue that. Um, so I'm parenting Milo physically, but with Lowie, when we lost Lowie, I was like, I need to still parent her. I need to mm-hmm. keep her memory alive. I need to keep her legacy alive. How am I gonna do this? And so that's why I have become a pregnancy loss advocate. I work very closely with the University of Washington Hospital. We have a foundation, which I need to start up again, actually, um, where we donated a cuddle cot, which is a cot, a bassinet that keeps the baby cold um, so they don't deteriorate faster or, fast or you know, slows down the deterioration process. So we donated one to the hospital. We're going to continue donating um, high risk hospitals. Oh, Um, that's
0: amazing.
1: Yeah. It is such a beautiful device. And because the university of Washington is a high risk hospital, they, it gets used like, because I'm part of their kind of, um, advisory committee or meeting with people. They, they use it every day.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, um, and for me to know that Louise is helping other babies yeah, like that, or how other families I should say is really amazing. And so that's why I do what I do now. That's why I share my story because I want to first keep my baby girl's legacy alive. I'm parent. This is how my relationship is with her. When
0: mm-hmm. we lose our babies,
1: we have to recreate these relationships and so that's why I am a life and loss coach and I hold space and help women to move from a place of loss and find find who they are again and and redefine themselves and navigate through grief and create this life after loss but still honoring their babies and I do it because of my daughter and because of the fertility journey I've been in and I know how lonely it is and how overwhelming it can be and like you said earlier like you don't need to do this by yourself and when you have a community and other people helping you and supporting you it just makes such a difference yeah so that is so that's kind of holy moly my
0: story <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I appreciate how you told it it was so beautiful and I feel mm-hmm. like only on a miscarriage podcast would you hear laughter when yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I was thinking about that as you're like <laughs> explaining your story and we're like laughing and like yeah it's so deep and it's so you know but it's <laughs> it's just like we get it and like yeah it, there yeah. can be this laughter involved in it and um, I just appreciate how you told it and if you had like one real big piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation what would it be oh, such a great question such a great great question
1: um a few things um, you know and and a lot of people have said this before too is feel all the feels like feel it all if you're anxious if you're nervous if you're happy just feel it all your body needs to feel the emotions if you put aside the emotions then it will come out in other ways and you're in your you um you stay in that state of 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 shock and so it's important to feel it all without judgment and um and I say sometimes I say without shame but it's okay to feel a little bit of shame a little bit of guilt I think what the what it is is the word motion is in emotions, right? So we have the right to feel it all. It's just that you need to move through it. That's how the human spirit survives. That's how we move through life is moving through emotion. So feel all the feels. Um, grieve, even if you lost, even if you had a miscarriage at eight weeks, or 30 weeks or whichever, it's still a loss. It's a loss of expectation. So your body needs to go through that grieving process. Allow the grief to happen. Ask for support. Um, Find an ally, a a friend that can support you or someone that's maybe a therapist or coach to support you through that so that you can find your foundation, that you can navigate through this because grief isn't linear. Grief is a hot mess. Um, sometimes it's like jagged edges and sometimes it softens. You're like thrown into this ocean of waves. You still have the waves. Sometimes it's a tsunami, sometimes it's not. And so being aware of how your grief shows up is very important. Um, and another thing um, that I learned from my experience from, about myself is that and I used to really hate when people said this to me, like, oh, you're so strong or oh, gosh, you, you know, like, you've got that inner strength in you. And I was like, this is really a crappy experience. Like no one's strong, no one's brave. However, in that strength, in that light, in that intuitive intuition being that we all have is hope And when we connect to that intuition, when we connect to that little fragment of strength that does grow, it's also hope. And with hope is love and compassion. And so that's one huge kind of thing that I hold on to is like, okay, there is hope. And sometimes we try and like, there's a lot of, there's a few clients that, you know, have decided not to have babies anymore, but they're still living in grief. And that's, 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 that's a choice. Um, and they're creating a relationship with their babies in a different way. Um, so we're all mamas, you know, um, but, uh, I hope that made sense because sometimes I can go yeah, real
0: did. deep. No, <laughs> I it did. Really I'm like, I felt like I was listening to an audiobook. That was amazing. <laughs> oh well. <Thanks. laughs> no, that that, I, that made total sense. If somebody wants to reach out to you or work with you, where could they find you?
1: Yeah, um, they can find me um, on the gram, Instagram. So my handle is I am Jen Hepton. And that's kind of just like the life and loss coaching there, and I'm also talking about, about parenting after loss, um, pregnancy after loss. Parenting after loss is interesting, and moving into like a conscious parenting paradigm here—it's really cool. And then um, Lowie's Hugs on the ground on Instagram, where it's solely pregnancy after loss, um, trying to conceive after loss, and then at uh, the um, uh, Fertility Our Fertility Project, which is. Um a group coaching uh, container for all type of fertility, like regardless of what you've been through, uh, what you're going through, adoption surrogacy, maybe you don't want to be a mom, you're questioning it, you've been through to just the whole gamut of motherhood, the journey to motherhood and what it looks like. And that's our fertility project. Um, and that's a group coaching kind of container. So and then my website. <laughs> Don't forget the website. Um, <laughs> and that's Jen Hepton. So J-E-N-N Um awesome. or Loss and Transition. Yeah. And I've got videos on there. I've got blogs um, all about how to navigate grief and boundaries, self-advocacy, pregnancy after loss, and my story. So there's a lot of free stuff on there as well. And if you ever wanted to book a session with me, um, or I have a group coaching program that's starting actually next month, pregnancy after loss. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of support and offering there that I hope that you'll be able to find
0: something that will resonate. It's so cool. And I, you yeah. know, she has so many resources, so I'm just going to link all of those in the description yeah. <laughs> of this episode. Yeah. So I want <laughs> to
1: memorize that. Memorize it. <laughs> Ready, set, go find it. Go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> after the, after the, deep, the the deep conversation.
0: Right? <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Jen, for hopping on and sharing your story and also just your knowledge and wisdom. It was really amazing. We really uh-huh.
1: appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me and thanks for um, having this platform in this container and holding space with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a LAM fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.